Well, it, I think actually the groundwork, in my opinion, is, is, is laid out in your product knowledge. It's knowing your buyer profile. It's having, a, again, we mentioned it earlier in the pod, having a strong grip on value propositions, use cases, storytelling, right? Having a menu of goals, like knowing that inside and out, then, right, it's then the discovery call, right? It's connecting with that, that persona, connecting with that buyer and understanding their business, but have, again, having that deep knowledge around your product and the buyer profile and how that comes together. Hey everybody, happy new year and welcome to Stuff About Sales. I'm James, Matt is coming up in a second, but first, have you ever wondered what your sales manager actually thinks about your ability to meet expectations and what those expectations should be? to ensure your success? Well, we have on Joey Goodson. That's who you just heard from. Joey is an experienced inside sales leader for many years at a couple different organizations now. We worked together for a brief time at Vonage, about a year. Joey since moved on and he's running his own sales organization now. To kick off the new year, I think it's a really interesting time to assess some of the behaviors, evaluate how we performed in 2020. And as we head into 2021, think through what we're doing on an everyday basis to make sure that we're finding good habits that are that are making us successful. And this isn't about, is my sales process good? Is anything like that. It's, it's really about, are you putting in the type of effort that you need from a professional perspective to be a top performer. And that's that's what we talk about today with Joey, among other things. We touch on some other topics as well, such as inside sales organizations in general, and including what it means to be an inside sales account executive these days in general. Is inside sales viewed the same way as it used to be? Some interesting stuff. Hope you enjoy. Here he is. Joey Goodson, head of sales at net to phone North America. Joey, do you want to introduce yourself? Give us a little bit of background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, Matt, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, I reside in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, recently took on um, a great opportunity at Net2Phone, which is a um, child company of IDT Corporation. And I've got the pleasure of um, building out a U.S. direct sales route to market. Um, so, so building a U.S. direct sales team from the ground up. Um, you know, tremendous opportunity for me in my career. Um, spent almost 10 years at Vonage. Um, as you both know, uh, we spent, um, you know, the last couple of years together, James, and then Matt, you, you and I have worked together off and on. Matt Matt left Vonage at one point and then uh, realized it was a bad decision and came back and worked for us again. So We don't have to tell um, the public that, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I've, got, I've had the pleasure to, to work with, with both of you guys um, and, and now have you know, tremendous opportunity at, at really taking that 10 years of knowledge, experience and, and learnings to to net to phone and, and building the inside sales team. So. so we're ending the year. There's lots of people that are finishing strong. Maybe they're, they're trying to rally after a tough year and they're going to be planning out 2021. So what we really wanted to talk to you about today are what are some of the principles that you feel as a sales leader for a long time now that you've seen in maybe your top account executives. I like to ask this at the beginning of every podcast. How did you get into sales? Uh, yeah, so lo- love the question. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I've got probably a little bit of a different story than, than most. Um, and, and this is a little personal and I'm happy to share this stuff. So 
I ended up having a son at a very young age, 19 years old. I was in college and, um, you know, life hit me fast. I had to make a decision. How was I going to support my son, uh, my high school sweetheart, who I ended up marrying? You know, how was I going to support this family? So, you know, in thinking through, you know, that opportunity, sales came came right in front of me. My father-in-law um, at that point was running an actual uh, Ford dealership, and I had an opportunity to jump right into um, a service consultant role, which is more of a, a sales role face to face and, you know, serving clients and, and their automobile need as far as repairs and service and such. So that's how I got into, into sales. Um, I was a hustler. I worked my tail off, I made really good money very fast um, and did that for, you know, a handful of years was very successful. Um, and then obviously had, had the pleasure to jump into technology sales and never look back. So did you, I know the answer to this, but did for everybody who doesn't know you, you, did you, where did you jump in to the organization in, in your sales career? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's funny, you know, there's two entry points that I'd like to share. You know, the first one being, you know, I was able to step right into a service consultant role, uh, at Ford Motor Company. Right. And, and it was because the director was my father-in-law. He gave me that opportunity, that entry point. Um, so that was a little bit of a fast track for me. Spent the time there, was very successful in that role, learned a lot about sales and then had to take a step back in order to join Vocalocity at the time. Um, over 10 years ago, um, I had to step down from an account executive role and become a sales development representative at Vocalocity. So I had to prove myself and that, that was tough. As an account executive, has been very successful. It's making you know really good money, but wanted to get out of that industry and move into something you know more technology focused. Um, I had to become an SDR, so I had to kind of swallow my pride and grind it out. Uh, the good news was, is you know two and a half months in, I'm promoted to an AE. So you know I did start from the ground up in technology sales, and um, over about a nine year period, I had eight eight opportunities to be promoted into greater responsibility uh, within the, the inside sales organization and. And then, you know, the rest is history. And so you're an SDR, you're an account executive, you moved into leadership and you've, you've since moved up and I can just, let, let's, let's transition. Um, let, let's transition and, and talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen from account executives during your time. So you, you've primarily been leading inside sales organizations. Matt and I both work in an inside sales organization now. What would you say is one of the key, we can just start, we can start really wherever you want, but sure. maybe I'll just kick it off by, by just asking you, what are some of the key two to three traits that you identify in a top performing account executive in an inside sales organization? Uh, as far as traits, you know, I think that, you know, when you th- think about maybe the top three traits, I look back at not only myself, but I look back at a lot of people that have grown up throughout a sales organization with me over the years. And I look at, you know, what are some of those, those traits that they, they carried? I think one big thing as an account executive that's incredibly important is you always have to be learning, right? Sales is constantly changing. You know, the digital sales environment is, is here, right? Um, there's less and less opportunity to build face-to-face relationships, you know, shake hands and, really get to know your buyer and we have to do it in different ways. So I think, um, you know, that that's a pretty important aspect is, is that piece, right? You, you've got to be learning constantly of how, how you're going to embrace your buyer, how you're going to use different technologies and so forth. So, you know, I think, you know, always be learning. Um, again, that could be 
podcasts. That can be reading books. It can be, you know, having a mentor. Um, you know, it can be, you know, being a part of um, virtual conferences these days, right? Hopefully one day we'll be face to face and do conferences, you know, together again. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a big trait. A lot of account executives come into a role eager, you know, they want to be a sponge. They want to learn everything. And then that fades. They don't continue to prioritize learning and staying up to date, whether it's, you know, process, whether it's, pro- you know, product changes in technology sales, product is constantly changing. And if you're not constantly staying up to date with that, you're going to fall behind. And we see that a lot where AEs come in, they're really hungry, they're ready to learn. And then they get kind of in their day-to-day grind and they stop that, you know, they, they stop being a sponge. They stop really actively partaking in learning. Um, you know, so I, I love that you started off with that because to be a really successful AE long-term, not just in a, in a short, you know, burst, you have to almost prioritize that as, as a part of your day-to-day job is, is staying up to date and learning. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so many components to that, right? I mean, we talk product knowledge, right? Really knowing the product inside and out, um, you know, when it relates to, you know, value propositions, use cases, um, how you're going to tell stories in your conversations, um, demonstrations, you've got to, you've got to really have a firm handle on, um, you know, really understanding your buyer, what their needs are, and what their goals are, and then being able to, you know, wrap that into a, a demonstration that's, that's meaningful. Um, so, you know, that's, that's tough, you know, it, it's, it's, it's obviously changing products, innovating relentlessly, and you've got to continuously learn those products and, and make sure you have a good firm handle on what does that mean to the buyer um, that you're, you're speaking to. How do you keep an account executive engaged in doing that once they've seen some level of success and they think, well, the way that I'm doing it is amazing. I don't really need advice. I have all the product knowledge that I need right now. How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you think about, you know, an inside sales team of account executives of different levels, you may have entry level, you know, senior level, and then you may have, you know, folks that are just in their own stratosphere is how they perform. Um, you've got to find, you know, as an account executive, you've got to find, you know, kind of that, that balance of, hey, I'm really executing and things are working really well for me this month or this quarter, but it's all about consistency. So, you know, the conversations I'd have with account executives that are doing really well, that are seeing success is, you know, it's going to be tough to continue that success consistently over, you know, a full fiscal year. So you need to constantly be learning. We need to constantly be, you know, tweaking um, and, and pulling different levers as an account executive. Um, and think about your top performer, right? So someone that's just crushing, quote, 125, 150% to plan. And, you know, and they're doing it easily because they're so good at what they do. Well, what if we can just, what if we can push that one lever up? right? There's always that next lever, right? That next level that you can continue to kind of push yourself as an account executive. So just getting to know that person and really understanding what motivates them and then finding ways to, to tie that into, um, you know, driving these goals even higher and higher and higher when you're, when you're already having success, right? And you said consistency. Um, and, and I think that is, is the perfect way to describe it because it goes back to building pipeline too. You know, we you see AEs that have a huge month. They're they're you know really flying high, and they stop doing the consistent work to build trailing pipeline for the next month. You know, well, they the, stop next month's a, the next month's a hangover, right? Yeah. It's the worst thing ever, right? You just had the best month you've had all year, 
And then the, the following month or quarter, depending on your sales cycle, you just had the worst month or quarter, right? So it's like, and then you average that out and it was an average month. It was an average, you know, time period of, of performance. So yeah, the consistency is, is critical and you got to trust that process, right? I'm doing really well this month. Let's continue to put in the work, right? Continue to put in the work, trust the process. And um, even when you're flying high so that you can continue to, you know, perform, you know, at or above plan, you know, in some other months that may be a little lacking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What is the difference between account executives that are consistently performing month over month and account executives that are that are up and down? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it really, you know, comes down to really understanding your sales cycle and having good visibility into um, your pipeline. So as an account executive, like my early days in selling, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of reporting for myself. Um, I saw the daily and, and weekly and monthly reports that came from leadership, but I really didn't have like my own reporting outside of, you know, what I had in Salesforce that was really dashboards, you know, or, or, or homepages and, and events set and that type of stuff as far as how I'm, I'm following up and engaging. So I think, you know, as I have progressed in my career and I've seen a lot of account executives that have been successful, they have some of their own reporting. Like they went in, they either built it or asked for someone to build it and they thought through how do they want to look at their pipeline. And I think that's important. Having visibility into the funnel, understanding your sales cycle, um, your average deal sizes. And really, it's a little bit of you know math, quite frankly. It's, you know, hey, if I'm going to book this much business in November and I got quotas in December, what's my trailing pipeline of 90 days look like if my you know, sales cycle might be 30 days? So, you know, I think that it's it's a little bit of data. Once you have a good visibility in there, you know what you need to do and what kind of effort you need to put in. I think it's just all about building a routine, a monthly routine around how you're self-sourcing, um, how you're managing your inbound funnel, and then doing that every month, month over month, regardless if you're having a good or bad month, just trusting that process. And if you don't have daily consistencies and you're meeting those daily goals that you've set or leadership has set to help guide you in what a good day looks like, then you're probably not going to have the pipeline to meet quotas. You're not going to have the pipeline to, to drive consistency. Yeah. And I think it comes down to being a sales professional versus a sales person. You know, mm -hmm. a sales person can have a huge month, you know, be flying high and, oh yeah, baby, I'm about to get president's club. You know, I'm making all the money. I'm going to go buy cars, you know, whatever. But a sales professional understands even in those big months, I've got to be like I said, being intentional about what does my pipeline look like? I need to be prospecting for my big month ahead in six months that I need to build towards, you know, not just relying on the momentum or the one big deal that you just closed or your inbound marketing leads for that month. It's understanding what your trailing pipeline looks like, yeah. being intentional about your numbers and, and what you're doing each day to set yourself up for six months from now, not being short-sighted, just thinking yeah. about, the big deal you just closed. I like that. I like that. Salesperson or sales professional. When you think professional, you think pro. You think, you know, NFL pro, right? Or, or NBA pro, someone that is just, you know, well-rounded. Um, so sales professional is a well-rounded salesperson, right? That, that understands the system, the process, and the resources around them, and they embrace all of that to be successful. Matt, I have a question. I have a question for you. Is uh, the big ass uh -oh, truck? Uh -oh. is, is the big ass truck that you just bought have anything to do with you being uh, the difference between a salesperson and a sales professional? Listen, I'm I'm a sales professional, James. You know, I've 
I put the time in. No, I'm. Uh, I was flying high. You know, we had a big month, baby. On my way, to <laughs> you know, Man. bought the truck, and and here we are. You know, uh, wings are burning out. I got too close to the sun. You know, and marketing leads are down. You know, so. Yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I'm trying to help the listeners out. They they don't need to re- repeat my mistakes, James. There I had go. to bring. It, I had to bring it up. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I knew it was coming. It's fine. All right. So Joey, transitioning a little bit. Do you feel that the view, be, maybe because of coronavirus, maybe just the way that sales and organizations are buying now, do you think there's a different view of inside sales organizations today than maybe when they're when, when Maybe, maybe, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. And how do you think that, how do you think that view has changed? Yeah, I think this, this is a great topic. Um, you know, I think when you look at, you know, five, six, seven years ago, um, just overall the, just the build out structure of just sales organizations, different sales organizations, it has changed tremendously. It has changed tremendously. Even before COVID, you could see, you know, a big shift away from, you know, field sales, um, you know, regionally based sales where you're door knocking and, you know, um, driving, you know, direct mail to these offices and then trying to show up when the mail arrives, et cetera. Right. A lot of that, you know, has kind of gone out the window with the technology that, you know, we see these days. And then COVID drives that even further up. Right. Because you, you think about buyers today, um, you know, department heads or executives of organizations that, um, have been just kind of hanging on on the digital transformation when it comes to how they communicate or, um, you know, how they're using technologies and such. Um, you're seeing now a, a massive, you know, uh, revolution of, hey, this is this is pretty incredible um, in the way that we had to send our team home and they've got to start using, you know, these types of technologies and such. So when you think about them using those technologies with their clients, you can think about, um, sales, how sales has evolved you, again before COVID and then now, you know, post COVID or during COVID, we're sitting here where I feel like buyers are much more adept to, you know, taking a video meeting, right? From me as an inside sales ex- executive rather than what it used to be five or 10 years ago where I'm, I'm having a face to face meeting with, with a field rep. So, you know, I think we, we've seen the transition happening for, for several years now. Um, there was some data recently that was that was launched. I don't have it in front of me, uh, but it was pretty pretty telling on just the the transformation of sales teams out of the field and into inside sales. I completely agree. Yeah, I think at this point, what I've seen from from our experiences, I, I almost there's still always going to be a place for field account executives because when you get into enterprise, really very complex mm-hmm. deals, you need to get into the organization at different levels. But I. I, I, I think from an overall perspective, a lot of buyers consider yeah. there, there's no difference to them, whether you're sitting in front of them or you're on a video call these days, because the technology is so ingrained in what we do. You FaceTime yeah. every day. You We have these Zoom calls now because of the pandemic with our family. It's no different than having a Zoom call or a video meeting with with a prospect between a, yeah. between a, a seller I mean, and a even even to your point with enterprise, right? I don't even think, you know, and again, I don't lead an enterprise sales team today, but I don't even believe that, you know, they're entering those opportunities by face-to-face engagement. I think it leads to that, right? There's an opportunity to, you know, fly out to a very high profile client with your your team of, of, of 
um, sales individuals, whether it's solution engineering or account executives and, you know, onboarding specialists, like, you know, that's, it leads to, in my opinion, the, the inside sale, it starts with inside sales and it leads to the face-to-face connection in sales. Yeah. I, it's, it's almost like the the face-to-face meetings have traditionally been a show of investment. It's it's like, look, listen to this is how much we value you. We're gonna take our team on site to you and we're going to present to you and, and make that connection and show all of the effort that we're putting into this opportunity. But now I feel like organizations are getting so creative in, in how they're doing be, being able to do this remotely. They've they've just basically taken that whole thing and and made it remote and they do it via video call and presentation and you still get the same level of connection, maybe 95% of it if if the last 5% is actually seeing somebody in the same room face to face. You can do everything now via video. So, yeah, I just I think it's a I think it's a really really good point. For sure. I think we were heading that in that direction anyway over the last few years, you know, and I think I think COVID just really sped it up. And I think it's here to stay. I don't think this is changing. I don't think we go backwards from here, you know, back to field or, you know, people needing to go on site or thinking that we're not invested if we're not coming on site. I think that that trend is just going to continue to progress forward as kind of a technology dependent country or culture that we've built. You know, I think utilizing our technology, you know, utilizing video, you know, utilizing Zoom meetings or, you know, uh, virtual meetings is is where we're going. And I, and I don't think that's changing. So I think d- using the technology that we have and then finding ways to connect human to human using that technology is is where we have to get to and where we have to get really comfortable. Yeah, I'm really curious, you know, where it continues to to go. Right. When you think about connecting via video. You know, obviously we we have different, you know, tactics that we have as account executives to engage with our customers. I'd be curious, you know, what are some other ways, right? Um, you know, it's SMS and texting going to, you know, I'm already seeing obviously um, feedback and, and different, you know, articles written about messaging and such. Um, I'm just curious, what are all the other technologies that we're going to eventually see um, that, that really aid account executives in the inside sales world to connect with their buyers? Yeah, um, but I, I think, think it's think studies where uh, SMS and and even MMS, you know, sending videos or, or or pictures of yourself or whatever, you know, let's be careful with what pictures we're sending. Yeah. But oh, hold know, on, uh, <laughs> using using uh, SMS or MMS messaging for customers, the the response rate is like three hundred percent of what it is on email. You know, I wonder where that goes if that becomes commonplace where all salespeople are using messaging. Do we see? a complete change in trend of response rates on, on messaging as well. You know, it, it'll be very interesting to see what becomes commonplace and, and how those trends change, you know, w- once we adapt and once customers adapt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Joey, for account executives that are listening, let's get a little bit, let's get a little bit practical here for account executives that are listening. They're in inside sales. So what is, I don't want to make this too broad, what is the single thing that they can do to help to most help increase their win rate? They're an inside sales rep. They get the lead. They're tasked with re- reaching out and, and introducing themselves. And that's how the, right. the lead begins. The op begins. Yeah. What is the, what is the one thing they can do to most influence, influence the opportunity to, to, to book a book a sale? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's certainly a, a hard one to, to make a decision on, but I think I've got a, a pretty good handle on what I personally would recommend is you really have to know your buyer, right? 
And you've got to connect with that buyer in regards to, you know, what what is it that they have as far as goals, you know, within their organization, right? That buyer, the persona, whatever you, the role that they play within the organization, like, you know, what are some goals that they have? And you've got to be able to accurately, you know, diagnose goals, pains, um, impacts to the business, whatever it may be. If you can accurately diagnose and understand their business, understand their role within the business, um, and then tie that to how your product or solution is going to meet those goals, help them meet those goals, solve that pain, um, you know, help them look like, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread within the organization because they did X, Y, and Z because your product did that and they were part of that decision, helps them get promoted, whatever it may be, right? So I think that's that's the big thing for me in that the, if I had to say one, one of the most single most important things as an account executive is you really need to know your buyer. You need to understand what their goals are. Um, and, and I think that really just kind of plays out, you know, throughout the sales process because at that point, you've really made a, a solid connection and and you're looking more of a, you know, you're looking more like, you know, someone that's looking to help them or, or solve their issues, right. Rather than just a sales guy, right. We, we you know, say, let's just be honest sales, you know, generally speaking, you know, in most cases is, is has like a negative connotation to it. Right. And it's, you know, it, it's already tough enough to be considered a sales guy. Um, but if you can, you know, change that and, and really connect with your, your buyer and really know how they operate inside and out and how you can solve some of those, those pains and help them meet goals. I think that's, that's the magic. Yeah. And would you say that groundwork is laid during the discovery call? That's the front end of the sales. Oh yeah. Well, it, I think actually the groundwork in my opinion is, is, is laid out in your product knowledge. It's knowing your buyer profile. It's having a, again, we mentioned it earlier in the pod, having a strong grip on value propositions, use cases, storytelling, right? Having a menu of goals, like knowing that inside and out, then, right, it's then the discovery call, right? It's connecting with that that persona, connecting with that buyer and understanding their business. But have again, having that deep knowledge around your product and the buyer profile and how that comes together. Good stuff. Well, we're almost out of time here. Are we ready for five rapid fire questions for Joey Goodson? Uh, I think uh, my wife's calling for me real quick. I need to. I need to run. We're gonna put. We're gonna put Joey on the on the hot seat here. We have <laughs> five. This is the second time we did this. We did it with Rob. I think it was pretty good. Uh, Rob Chatters. He was a good sport. You're our, you're our second test case, Joey. These are these are questions Matt and I put together before the pod. You obviously are not aware of these questions. So as short as possible, so we can get through them as short as possible. Yeah. I, I I am allowed the leeway to or or Matt. To, to follow up if we need clarification, but here we go. <laughs> Number one, if you weren't in sales, what career would you be in? Uh, great question. You know, mom always told me when I was younger, she said, you're going to be a hell of a lawyer. You can argue with the best of them. And, um, you know, while I feel like getting a law degree would, would have been you know, pretty challenging with, with, a, with a child, <laughs> raising a child at a young age, uh, I think, you know, would probably be in, in pop, potentially law. All right, because mom said because mom said I would be good at it. Because well, right? <laughs> mom, a couple. There's a couple. I don't know, Matt. There's a couple shots I was ready to take. I, I was going to take a couple too, but I. Uh, I, I, was, 
I was thinking lawyer's good, lawyer's good, but you could also be, you could, you could also be a politician because you could have sat on the Senate floor and just filibustered and talked for like, for like 900 hours. On, that was, on that was my, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know about law. We should have gone into politics because you would have been <laughs> crushed in filibusters. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to be a little long winded. Um, and look, you know, we, we're talking about what makes an account executive successful. It's do not talk the whole time like your sales leader does. Um, you know, really listen. And, and I, that's something I'm still working on. That's why, that's why, I mean, you, you had, you had no choice. You had to get into sales leadership. <laughs> We're not going to make it long. <laughs> All right. Number two, how many internal meetings per month would you say could be an email? Could be an email. I know that's broad, but I didn't. I, know, what we, is this, is this, in respect to account exec, like if I'm sitting in the account executive seat or. or All right. Let's just say over your history as a professional person, how many internal meetings would you say you look at your calendar and you're like, man, that just could have been an email. This, this, this just could have been an email. Oh man. It, it's it literally too many to count. Right. I think that meetings are a colossal waste of time um, in most cases. Right. I think that we are in this in, in, in environment, this world of, we need to meet on everything and everybody needs to be in a meeting together. And then what I have seen, you know, that, that really grinds my gears and I always end up raising my hand is when, from a leadership perspective, being in, um, you know, a meeting with, 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 with a larger group of other leaders and really having to set a meeting because we just had a meeting and no one taking action items of the meeting and sharing those with the team or, or people owning what their action items were. So. Um, as far as I can, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we can just cancel all meetings. Is a classic. Yeah. yeah, unless it's a training session or, um, you know, a client meeting or something of that nature. I think that a lot of stuff can be done through email or Slack. There's just too many ways to be more efficient and get to the point than, you know, waiting for someone that was supposed to be in the meeting and they show up 10 minutes late. Right. So. Yep. All right. Number three, how many days per week did working with Matt and I drive you to drink? <laughs> five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five days a week. Um, no, dude, listen, you guys uh, and, and, and all of the, the leaders that I had on my team, uh, as well as that I reported up to, were, were just tremendous talents, right? And, you know, I would think that it wouldn't be five days, maybe two days a week. It's a, it's a short drive to get you to drink, though, Joey. So, yeah, quick clarification. You 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 drank five days a week, but Matt and I, two of those <laughs> were Matt and I. Okay. Yeah, two days a week were because of you guys. That's exactly right. And, and those were the days that um, I probably had, you know, a couple more fingers of bourbon and um, should have went ahead and folded it in. So thank, thank you guys for the gray hair um, and the, the wounded you know, liver. Yeah, and and the bruised and the bruised liver. <laughs> All right, next question: What is worse, an ROE dispute or the dentist? Oh, an ROE dispute, one hundred percent. There is no doubt in my mind that an ROE dispute carries so much, you know, so many implications, and there's so much to be investigated in an ROE dispute that it literally is, you know, the epitome sales is dealing with an ROE dispute. So um, if the account executives are out there listening, deal registration, get that, 
get that lead, get it in the system, register it, check for duplicates, and um, and let's move on. Because if if we don't, then yeah, we're in trouble. That's good advice. All right, last question: What are your views of profanity in the workplace? Uh, my view of profanity in the workplace: I think that there's really no place for it, for the most part, when it comes to. I think I guess I guess it depends on your role and it depends on, you know, your exposure with, you know, a greater group. Um, I think, you know, on the sales floor where others are working and they're on the on the phone with clients, there's there's no place for, for profanity on the sales floor, in my opinion. I think um, in a meeting, um, you know, with a group of individuals, just, you know, it needs to be careful. We need to be you know aware of, you know, uh, anyone's, you know perception of, of, of how they see profanity being used. But, you know, you're talking to a guy that uses profanity from time to time, um, especially in leadership meetings. And um, I don't really mean too much by it, but I think that, you know, there's a, there's a place for it at times. I don't know that you should use the F-bomb the way that Gary does, Gary V does. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's his decision. Or, or like James Triano does. <laughs> <laughs> well, the- is there any particular um, curse words that you you feel are uh, more you p- would prefer using in the workplace as opposed to others? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let, let's let's not go down that path. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not throwing stones at your people or people around you, like you know, you can use them in conversation. But I wouldn't throw throw stones at someone with with a cur- curse word. Don't you know. You don't want to knuckle up in the office. HR is not going to like that. <laughs> no, you don't want to name call yeah. using curse words. I, I'm going to start. I, I think this question is going to be a permanent question for a while because I am a frequent profanity user and I just want to feel better <laughs> about myself. So I'm just going to. Did Joey's answer call. make you feel better, James? Or did it make you feel worse? Yeah. Well, Joey's answer. Here's the thing about Joey's answer. Okay, I know Joey. So Joey's saying that he doesn't, you know, Joey's kind of walking the fence a little bit, but I've been in meetings with Joey and I've heard him. Talk. So no, there's no Well, thing. you know, hey, let's let's be clear. You can you can rewind you can rewind this pod and you'll see very clearly that I talked about in meetings, leadership meetings, you know, there's a place for it. So um look, James, it's all good, brother. Be you, right? That's that's the biggest thing that I would say to everyone is be you and you know, and don't, you know, don't regret it. Don't worry about it. And, you know, don't be concerned with it. You know, be you. And um, I think that's what makes all of us valuable and, and, and personable is we are who we are and we're not trying to be someone that we're not. So. Well said. Yeah, really well said. All right. Well, that's the end of Rapid Fire. That's the end of the podcast. Joey, thanks so much for joining us. This was this was long overdue. We should have had you on a while ago. And you have an open invitation to come back anytime to talk about whatever you want. You just let us know. Awesome, man. James, I love it. The podcast has been fantastic. You're giving back to the sales community. It's nothing better in that regard. And boy, I tell you, I bet you are learning a tremendous amount in these podcasts. And then you're able to then turn that into, you know, actions for your team. So um, I'm sure your AEs are really appreciative of, of what you're learning. So keep it up, man. Any of the listeners want to connect with you? How can they? Yeah, I'd love for the listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Joey Goodson. Uh, you can find me in LinkedIn. Within LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile, I have you know my personal email address. I believe I have my cell phone number in there as well. 
So any, any listeners or, or any folks that want to connect with me on any level, feel free to reach out. Uh, we're, we're all a community here in sales. Um, I think the bigger we build our ecosystem and give back to one another, the better we can, you know, kind of drive this profession forward and really take away some of the, you know, stagnant that people see and just having a sales sales in your title, right? I, mean, I think we really are people that care and, and want to serve others. And um, as long as we have that mindset of salespeople, you know, we're going to, we're going to make big waves. So looking forward to connect with your, your listeners, guys. Thanks, Joey. All right. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that one with Joey as much as we did. Just a quick heads up, have some really awesome guests coming up to start the year, some top performers. They're going to share some things about what made them successful in 2020. Finally, hate to ask, but if you like the podcast, please subscribe, please leave a comment, please rate. It does help us out. We appreciate the support and we'll see you next time.